Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice. I am a writer, artist, a podcaster. I was born on the island of Lesbos. And uh, I am working on putting together a platform for a new sexual revolution. And this podcast is one of the venues for it. So um, it's called Speak Sex because it's meant to help us uh, learn a new way to communicate with each other, both within sex space and then in the rest of our lives. So it's about translating our desires uh, into language that can be liberating for us women and can retrain, reprogram the consciousness of the people around us. Um, Today's guests are two uh, members of the Skirt Club, including the founder, who's a dear friend of mine, <laughs> and I'm her big fan. So um, they are here for a weekend. They're here in Miami for one of the annual weekends, weekend events that Skirt Club organizes that include parties, but also uh, events, uh, talks, uh, panels, uh, yoga sessions, uh, educational uh, experiences and whatnot. Um, so we just gave a panel on this topic of um, boss ladies <laughs> and gender and inclusion techniques in the workplace for women who want to be empowered uh, both as individuals and as sexual individuals in the workspace and in the you know in in their life outside their sex life outside the bedroom ways to do it and uh, the panel was hosted by a specialist strategist um, Emily Megan also known as Family uh, Emily Megan Moreau Ho she is a gender and inclusion strategist and she specializes in teaching uh, tech companies become more gender inclusive. Good luck with that, family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's like a lifelong project. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of it. <laughs> Just like yours. <laughs> yeah, all three of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Genevieve, I'm, I'm coming back to you. Genevieve Lejeune, six years ago, left the corporate world and, um, you know, instead of like making money the way guys made money in the patriarchy, she decided to just reverse course, <laughs> mm, <laughs> right? Indeed. And do the opposite. And she founded the Skirt Club, which is a club for bi-curious women. Bi-curious, bisexual. Mm -hmm. And bisexual maybe women. Maybe gay. Not maybe sure. gay. <laughs> for day. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and it has um, members and chapters around the world. So currently there are 13 countries, right? 13 countries and, and 13,000 members. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it should be 130,000? <laughs> yes, that's what we're <laughs> yeah. okay, so all working for. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, look, we're, we, we do want to take this global and mainstream. And I think sexuality is so much less taboo these days. Um, pop culture has made sure of it every pop star I see on TV is making out with a girl. I don't know whether she's actually bi or not, but <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. what you do these days, right? So, uh, yeah, Skat Club has that potential. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward well, to it. Well, I feel that, you know, again, this, this is not culturally the right moment to say this, but I have always believed since day one, and I will stick to it, that I don't think sexuality should be uh, part of our political identity, and I don't think that it should be binary the mm. way you know it is, mm. so that you you know we're asked to make a choice: are you gay, are you straight, mm -hmm. um, for both genders. 
Um, and, and I, you know, as, as much as I feel that we should all speak sex and speak about our sexuality openly and without shame and without fear and without judgment, I also feel that we, you know, we shouldn't stick to an identity and make like a big, huge announcement about it to the world because mm -hmm. then we limit our own, you know, future selves, you know, we don't mm. allow ourselves to like change and morph and try new things because we've made such a big announcement of, you know, who we are and why. So, yeah, and hopefully young, you know, younger people are, are more comfortable trying out all kinds of different sexual uh, experiments. You know. They certainly are. Gen Z, I'm witnessing women in my club under the age of 25, not even considering privacy or mm -hmm. That's nice, wanting yeah. to answer you know Kinsey scale preference mm -hmm. the it's irrelevant you know maybe yeah. one today maybe six tomorrow mm -hmm. right. I don't care maybe yeah I change exactly. my underwear you know yeah so yeah I like that. Beautiful. I like that. They are so free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I watch them coming into the party and they're like doing an Insta story as they're walking in, oh my talking to camera about what they're going to do tonight. And then <laughs> <laughs> the rest of my guests over the age of 35 are like literally um, using a different name, wearing a wig. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, they are scared anyone might find out who they are. But of course, no one really cares who no. they are. Yeah. So it's, no. it's just exactly. all, it's all perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think so too. But I mean, we can't really speak of sexual liberation of any kind without being liberated from all those like, you know, narrow definitions of which one. Right. And I think also when you think about, you just mentioned the Kinsey scale, I think the Kinsey scale is based on behavior, right? Which is a, more of a male centric idea of sort of love, sex and connection. Whereas if you think about bisexuality in terms of like, there's a million ways to define it. Like, is it your community of the people that you're most drawn to? Is it the people that you have crushes on? Is it who you romantically fall in love with? Is it who you want to be your partner in your bed forever? Is it the person that you've made out with before? Is it the people you might make out with in the future if you had your choice of who you get to make out with? Like, there's so many ways to define right. it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. And, uh, you know, and again, you know, there was a period where uh, being a lesbian was a political choice as a feminist, yeah. you know, and I felt like it, it was important to say that. Um, but in practice, it's just not what, you know, most, most women I know are still more comfortable, like, making a baby with a guy. Because <laughs> that's how it's set up, you know, it's easy. And mm -hmm. you don't have to rearrange anything. Um, and then playing with women, you know, playing with women or maybe having, like, a three-year or three-month affair with a woman, you know, going out, like, with a woman for a while, that sort of thing. But it seems like the relationship, the, you know, the, the homoerotic relationship is easier. It's more casual. It doesn't, you know, have to be negotiated that hard. Whereas the relationship with the male partner has to be negotiated. Because they speak a different language, you know. They're, mm -hmm. They uh, also find themselves, you know, function differently in the world. So you, you, you have to go through and understand their expectations and make sure that you have the same expectations that, you know, that are not unspoken, whether it's about monogamy, whether mm -hmm. it's about commitment, you know, finances, um, you know, decision-making, uh, naming, oh my God, you know, who gets whose name, all that stuff, you know, you have to let like, go down the list from the smallest things, like what you do in the bedroom, you know, to the big uh, decisions that, you know, are important because the way that they were made in the past were all against us. 
They were all, yeah. you know, stuck on the side of the man. So in order to undo it, you have to actually go through it and, and say it and agree with it and find consent. And that's where, like, verbal consent goes both ways. We get to give verbal consent sexually, but we want to get the man to give us verbal consent socially so we get, you know, more and more equality and power in mm. couples, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, we as women have to include our body first, um, our female body, kind of like understand it, accept it, and make it part of who we are, and understand that our body is ourselves. This is the I. You know, the skin, this flesh, the curves, they are I. It's, you know, it's not an it. I mean, the language wants us to call it an it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. To, it, it already, the language creates this separation, um, but that's how we get objectified, and that's how we get co-opted into objectifying ourselves right. and using our body to like either get something from you know society, men, bosses, whatever, um, or, or hiding it, feeling compelled to hide it, to disguise it, to distort it, um, in order to like get, get ahead, as men, as kind of like more, more, more desexualized mm-hmm. women and, you know, fraudulent males, let's say. You know, it's a metaphoric castration for us as women. Yes. Because we get rid of our femininity so mm-hmm. often thinking it's much easier to be heard in the work space than, you know, if we're like dressed sexy and, you know, we speak from like a sexually empowered space yep. and at the same time we're talking work language yeah you're making me think about the transition from uh madmen era days when w- the women who went to work were the secretaries right and so they right. were dressed like joan they were sexy yeah. they yeah. had curves they like wore the yeah. sexy secretary uniform <laughs> and so Very then sexy. the trailblazing yeah. women who were in the c-suite or in the or who were law partners or stuff they wanted to dress themselves not like those sexy secretaries their only option was to dress like those men right mm-hmm. and so the first wave of women that were in the boardroom were dressed like that and Mm -hmm. so i think we're still reeling from that we're still trying to figure out are we the sexy secretary who never who doesn't end up in the c-suite because she's not listened to or are we a toned down no sexuality person who gets to maybe gets to be in the boardroom Maybe, but like right. we were saying, we talked about that uh, earlier. You know, Hillary wore that ugly pantsuit <laughs> all those, what, a year at least, mm-hmm. and she didn't get elected. So even though you hide your body and you hide your sexuality, yeah. and you try to be like a grandma energy and all that right. bullshit, it's, they still don't let you in all the way. Um, and yeah, I, that's interesting. You know, I feel that why aren't men who are secretaries dressing in skirts? I mean, why, when, you know, if we, if like, if a woman is a boss and she's in like the, the pants, right? Yeah. So why don't we get the, the men to dress as sexy boys if they are in a position? <laughs> like, <laughs> they should be pleasing to die, but it doesn't go both ways. No. no. Yeah. And that would be like, you know, harassment, right? Mm-hmm. Or worse mm-hmm. to even suggest it. Mm-hmm. And, but, but to me, it's legit. Like, I would love to see men dress in the same, uh, similar outfits as women, it would give me huge, like, you know, both, <laughs> both <laughs> aesthetic pleasure and sexual <laughs> pleasure, both. 
and I think it would be very liberating for them. I see. Like they don't mm-hmm. have to be cross dressers, right? They don't have to be like in a category. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to go that far where they need like hormones or whatever. They can just like for the night, you know, wear something sexy like lace and a skirt and you know whatever um, fishnets. Yeah. <laughs> and heels. Well, their idea of sexy could be latex instead, but it's, yeah. it's a different kind of material. Exactly. And it's not a suit. That's yeah. great. It yeah. signals sexual availability, like it's yeah. a fabric like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so an objectification of the body. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their right. body. Something tight. Yeah. Right. Something German. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> German. <laughs> yeah. Berlin. In particular, Kit Kat Club. I've just had a, I've just had a flashback. <laughs> It was dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Germans did well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we just, you know, we're throwing that out there because Mm -hmm. we have to open up our minds and revisit all of these cliches, you know, all the time, Mm -hmm. I feel. Otherwise, we just assume the world has to be one way and Mm -hmm. that's like the men's way. Right. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, do you know who invented the skirt? No, I don't. (laughs) It's been on my mind as a question. (laughs) I need to find out. It's obviously a guy. Right, mm. because why would he need? Why would we need such easy access? Like, I wouldn't right. think a woman would have in, would have invented a skirt. Wait, wait, wait! Isn't the skirt like the inheritor of the loincloth? Right, it's gotta be. So a, a female. So killed. both wore right. them. Both men and women wore them. Okay, so our, way, our way, way, way back. Right, yeah. Scottish fr- friends like s- held on to it. But they like still wear that. My brother still wears his skirts. Ancient mm. days, they all had skirts. It mm. was easy for everyone. Right. <laughs> let's get back to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How easy it should be. I agree. Oh my God, let's get back to that. Yeah. yeah. Let them feel them. I mean, I, th- you know, that's the thing that, you know, we forget to say as, as feminists. Yeah. That the patriarchy is oppressing the men too, you know? Oh, yeah. They can't experience any of that. No. Like pleasure in being attractive, walking down the street in like a miniskirt that flaps in the wind, you know, and someone wants to like stare at your butt cheeks or hopes to catch a glimpse. <laughs> like, why shouldn't they? They should feel that that's their perk for giving up some of that, you know, huge amount of power that is oppressive, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. should be able to like emote and, you mm. know, cry in the office. <laughs> I, I, right? I, I get think in touch with all does. of that. Like I, I see men these days doing that. My brother, my husband, they are like that. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm. Yeah. Not in public though, right? In no, private. No. Yeah. In but private. also when yeah. men are in public holding their, if they're a political man and they're holding their baby on stage at a political rally, they're seen as like so heartfelt and like a great candidate but right. a woman who was up there with her baby is seen exactly. as oh she already right. has a job she can't yeah, be a politician exactly. so like yeah exactly the system has to be smashed it can't just be individuals yeah, who are yeah no i feel this yeah. the system has to be smashed because the system is you know pervasive yeah and yeah. that's and again you know we were talking about the fact that um i i feel that it it's so huge that we have to be, we women have to be conscious of it. And ideally, you know, our men, the men who are on our side, should be conscious of it all the time. Because if we're not aware of it, there is the, we can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this system began with written history. So we do not even have access to pre-patriarchy. It was all destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what happened, for example, to Safu's work, who 
was born on Lesbos right. and wrote good poetry, um, and ninety <laughs> percent of the work is lost, and all her works were banned. That's what happened to like all of the you know the work, the laws, the belief systems, you know the religions, uh, uh, w w you know the structures that were created by matriarchal societies mm -hmm. before. It's gone to us. Mm -hmm. We can. You know, we can imagine it, but we don't really know. Mm -hmm. So even the language that we speak now is set up to, um, you know, to empower men and to empower the system that exists, you know, that pre-exists. And it's not a system that necessarily, again, helps the individual men, but it helps their structures, you know. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I feel that being living your life consciously you know, as a woman who is like held down by patriarchy and wants to be free as much as possible, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. You know, and then knowing that you will be able to um, find little methods on a daily basis to get access out, you know, to something new to turn things around, you know, mm -hmm. so you find yourself in a typical patriarchal moment, you have to turn it around. But if you're not aware of it, that's why it's the first step. You know, if you're not right. aware of it, you can't even try to, you know, bring new voice to it or, right. or change the power dynamic or, you know, like one, one member mentioned, why aren't there banks that are run mm. by women that we can, you know, put our money there, you bank know? the womb. Right. I'm going to open it. <coughs> yes. <laughs> so I'll be banned it. by all the other banks. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, my perfect fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, you should open a bank that we can all, you know, like put our money in and then bo borrow money yeah. from. If you could write. Mm -hmm. And, you know, buy, buy female, support, you know, sister women, give women uh, a break, you know, if you find them catty or, or judgy or competitive, you know, then just, you know, remember that we're all in this together and mm -hmm. it's always easier to uh, you know, to get at fellow sisters than the men, right? Um, and then you know, and and another thing that I, I feel um, seems to, I mean, you know, both having the language, the words, and getting your your mind in a conscious place, you know, like a meditative space that gives you awareness of the patriarchy, um, and also, you know, I mentioned a quote that I think is powerful yeah. um, that has been written um, about slavery, which is we cannot use the master's tools to undo, you know, to find our freedom. We cannot use the mm -hmm. master's tools to destroy the master. Mm. Right. So we have to find our own language, mm -hmm. our own ways, you know, mm -hmm. just like leaning in and, you know, and, and making some extra dollars from the system as Genevieve could have done if she had kept her job, I right? could have been a millionaire by now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And she thinks of that every night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I do not. I'm no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course, you, you don't feel ill to think of working in an office environment ever again, mm -hmm. surrounded yeah. by that many suits. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I am. That's beautiful. Not looking back. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could have, but you didn't, because that doesn't do anything. It just kind of robs us of our soul, and it perpetuates. You know, it made me ill. This prison. Yeah. yeah. So what would I prefer? My health and happiness. Exactly. Or money in the bank and yeah. Clearly, health and happiness has yeah. to win. Yeah, that's how I was. That's how I was. You know, there, there came a moment when I was successful, you know, working 
within the system successfully there came a moment where I was like either I have to be on meds the rest of my life yeah. <laughs> or just like move to Miami Beach that was in New York yeah. <laughs> now Lesbos is perfect yeah. <laughs> we're all gonna go end up there yes yeah, so we're gonna colonize it <laughs> oh no <laughs> this skirt club colony it's already <laughs> your colony yeah no, we're just gonna turn mine. up yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's sweet. That's such a nice, uh, it's, a, it's a very different space. So, um, um, family, tell sure. us a little bit about, um, well, I'd like you to, you know, if you want, give our listeners um, a, an overview of what your findings are um, with like, you know, the, the, the current situation uh, for women, both in and, you know, outside the work environment. And then what you try to achieve, you know, when you go there yeah. and you, um, you know, tell your audiences are, are mixed, right? So you're mostly addressing the men. Uh, it's mixed. I either mm -hmm. help the leadership of tech companies, which mostly is men. Mm -hmm. So um, I work with them and it's a very different conversation I have with an all male audience than uh, women in tech. So with, with both audiences, I tell them the facts about what's going on for women in business and it comes from the McKinsey report, which comes out every October. Mm. Um, and it's the biggest report on women in the workplace. And it always says, um, it basically says if we keep going at the same rate, we won't have equality for 200 years. And so that's depressing, but also it means we are making progress and it's just a little, a little too slowly. So, uh, I help companies a lot of times it's with recruiting. They, there are a lot of, uh, male centered biases when people see women come in, uh, to interview for jobs, especially tech jobs, especially for jobs that are male majority that we assume is if you're going to draw a picture of someone who's an engineer, most people draw a dude. And so women just have a harder time getting in the door in those regards. So I help companies with that. Um, I also help the women who work in tech understand that if they're not getting promoted, even though they're great, it's not their fault. They don't need to necessarily leave tech they need to fix the way that their company is doing promotions for example if one of my favorite things to do is show all the managers uh a breakdown of the how they're doing in terms of promoting men and women that report to them and you can tell that usually uh and for many managers it's they're they're over promoting men and under promoting women which is bad for business because you're overlooking talent right um and so most of them, they're, they're good people. And so when they look at the numbers, they're horrified. Um, so these aren't retrograde folks from the Mad Men era. These are like modern, progressive San Francisco, California people who know the way forward and that the future is equal. They just don't know how to get there yet. So with the numbers, that provides a lot of motivation for people to start looking at the women more clearly and to even that out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating work. I basically bring in the data because I'm talking to men in tech, basically, and they want to see data, and then when they do, they often pivot. And so we're trying to change so it. So you're, you're helping with recruitment, yeah. qu quotas, mm -hmm. and then you're also helping the genders understand each other better in the workplace, right? Yep. Because um, you, you gave us some tricks, you know, some ways for women to... Um, rephrase things or yes so that's a, uh, that's actually a good point that's some of my most favorite work is working with the women in tech so they often have more education and more experience th than the men in similar positions but what they don't have is the kind of chutzpah or confidence oh. that the men have yes. and so this is about taking situations where 
they don't have confidence in making things better. So for example, uh, when men are mansplaining them or interrupting them in meetings, how to gracefully, well, in terms of gracefully <laughs> respond so that they're not considered the office bitch, but they're considered just a smart person who got interrupted and got the mic back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So often, uh, I mean, the kinds of, men who, who are on these teams that I'm talking with, like they've heard of man interruptions. They've heard of mansplaining. They don't want to be that person. They also have been trained every day of their life by the patriarchy to think that they should have more power and more airtime. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just helping them get conscious of the moments right. and what they're doing and how to get yeah, them back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And th- I think that's exactly what it is that mm-hmm. we have to get to be conscious and yeah. then we have to, you know, make the men around us conscious. Right. And it includes like our husbands, our boyfriends, yeah. our sons. Right. And uh, all the men we work with, you know, kind of making them see how they sound right what they're doing yeah how unfair it is right you know i mean it starts from like the littlest stuff where, where we were saying you know i have i have a couple of men men i work with who will always say that i'm interrupting them when they're interrupting me <laughs> no but it's uncanny it's just so shocking <laughs> but they do it i don't know if they do it with everyone or just women mm-hmm. um but they get upset <laughs> And the other thing that someone also mentioned one in our audience that I have found very common is that they say that their feelings are hurt, you know, which we could never say, and we're accused of, unf- you know, unfairly. They've learned this in a management style book. Oh, they have. The That's they get. Yeah, it's the ultimate <laughs> response to get out of a tricky situation. Oh, well, the way I feel is this, and then we can argue with your feelings. Oh. It's a tactic. So they are. They think they're speaking our language and using it to shut us they, up. They think Maybe. that you can't argue with someone's feelings because they're only their own. So. Ah, I it's see. Classic. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's yeah, but it's used completely out of context. Completely. No, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you know, being empathetic, the empathetic gender, like you can feel when someone is suffering. You know, you can physically pick up on like pain. You know, and there is nothing there going on. There is no pain <laughs> except the words of it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Mm. Um. So yeah, telling you know, kind of like putting them on the spot. With you know, in a calm, yeah, f- you know, friendly voice. Right. So like calm, I feel and firm. So nothing about us uh, registers as like emotional or bitchy or aggressive. Yeah. You know, like super non-threatening, mm-hmm. but firm. And and again, that's something that, as we were saying, you know, we have to train ourselves to do. And I have found that doing daily meditation of any kind helps because mm-hmm. it, it helps you get distance from your emotions, yeah, <laughs> um, and your you know and your thoughts, so that you can speak in a certain way that's not like automatic. You know, you don't like you don't react. Yeah, yeah, you don't react exactly. It's not reactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's healthy for women generally to to meditate and have clearer thoughts. Mm-hmm. It, I find it frustrating. I, some days I can't work because there's too much going on in my head and I'm just paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Meditation helps me get out of that. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think generally overall, it's healthy for us. I think women can achieve more if they're able to think clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also because we were programmed, you know, by our moms and our teachers who didn't know any better, you know, who told us how to be, you know, to be polite and be friendly and, you know, all these numerous times that you, we were told no as kids, you know, no, 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 don't do that, mm-hmm. you know, from like, you know, dog, don't cross your legs, don't put your elbows on the table. I mean, what, 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 yeah. why? <laughs> <laughs> when I think of it, there was so much. 
It was like yeah, a million so rules like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I remember I used to run around like without my shirt on in the summer when I was like five. And I remember my mom saying to me, you can't run around without your shirt on anymore. Or, and it was like, yeah. you're yeah. the one bringing a weird sexuality to this. Like, yeah. I certainly yeah. don't yeah. have one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff we have to unlearn and get yes. rid of and mm-hmm. empty our head off of it. And meditation is a great time to do that, you know, mm-hmm. to empty your mind and then, you know, kind of like realize that it's up to you to choose what thoughts enter it, mm. you know, and um, not like let it all in. That, that's, mm-hmm. that doesn't serve you. Wait, I just had a thought about how this translates to the bedroom because we carry so many thoughts in our head mm-hmm. when we're, I mean, in the boardroom and in the bedroom, right? And so when yeah. we're with a man, we're wondering, like, is he good? Do I look fat? Like, there's just, like, all these lists of things, right? Oh, my God. It's the so two, much in our I head. do I look is, like, an endless list. <laughs> <laughs> and do I sound right? Am I too loud? Oh, blah, yeah, do blah. I sound right? And then, so, it makes me think, so, skirt club, I wonder, so, we don't have to think about, is he this, is he that? And there's no man there to take up all the airtime and the headspace like yeah that's part of the freedom right of women sleeping with women it's yeah. like we're not wondering about how a dude's doing exactly yeah or how yeah. the script is coming along yeah 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 mm-hmm. because we haven't been trained like, right we've been trained how to be with a guy yes. but no one taught us like how to be with a girl so right. that's great that's a bloody good point yeah <laughs> there's no script yeah. to follow yeah. no. so we're writing it ourselves yeah, yeah. each yeah. time a different way yeah 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 exactly yeah. Oh my God, there's a whole new book out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, but that's what it is. Like, that's also, you know, th- with this whole speak sex for me, it's like, I, that's exactly what it was. I thought there are tiny little, you know, slips. Like, there is the fence, you know, but there is like mm-hmm. li- tiny little holes where we can slip into the system. Mm. And that's where they are. It's stuff that's not been prescribed to death that we haven't been taught, you know, mm. a million rules about. Mm-hmm. That's where we get to make it up. Mm-hmm. So whether it is speaking, yeah. like with a guy or with a girl, but in the bedroom when, mm-hmm. when none of us speak because we don't know what to say because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not supposed to speak, finding those words, that's the speak sex. Whoa. And it's a way in to like finding your own words for everything else you're going to do in life. Mm. Um, and, you know, sleeping with women is another way of, you know, being able to, like, be sexual without that consciousness, without that, like, without bringing the patriarchal consciousness into, you know, your sexual space. Yeah. Which is amazing. But I also find it's a bit of a curse because... <laughs> yeah. I'll just bring it to the other side. Because with flirting, for example, I could tell you 45 pages of writing of how to flirt with a yeah, dude, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been queer for 40 years. Like, interested in women, sleeping with women, flirting with women. I still, like, don't really 100% know how to do it. Like, I'm still very clueless as to how to do it. The script is reassuring so- in some ways. <laughs> True. I much prefer the off script in theory but in my physical body and practice of yeah. it it's more yeah. anxiety provoking yeah. to not have a script no my script that I'm, I'm talking about is specifically sexual so it's yeah. a, it is specifically about sexual activity yeah. it's not at all about flirting oh I feel like flirting has already been done t- over you know usurped by like you know Disney movies oh. <laughs> everything you know it's like we fall into categories mm-hmm. so easily so it's much more uh, you know the idea of like 
Do you, yeah, you want to be on top? Can I be on top? Do you want me to tweet you out? For how long would you like? Mm-hmm. Show me where is your clit. You know, like specifics. Mm-hmm. So say the things, you know, do, uh, do you like my finger, two fingers? Have you done this? Do you want to try that? Um, you know, uh, uh, how many times? Just like speak about what you're about to do and mm-hmm. what you want to do and what you have fa- just fantasized about without thinking, you know, no mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of say, speak. That's the language of sex that we're not allowed. Mm-mm. You know, because the only version of it is in porn. But even in porn, like they very quickly shut up, and it's all about the camera, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but the flirt, you know, the flirt. I think that very rarely the flirt is authentic. I think there's like so much that we have, you know, seen in movies or read in books or, you know, heard la- pickup lines and. So it's very hard to be truly, um, I can't say that I am, um, you know, truly authentic. You know, I, I find it difficult to, 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 to speak truth because I'm not sure what, you know, what is authentic to like this person that have right. I, like, have I said it before? Have I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how much of it, there is always a feeling that there is a manipulation going on on my end. Mm. Like I, I, I'm always a little self-conscious that I might be like selling myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to sound more interesting or 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 more experienced or I don't know. You know, of course I'm overanalyzing. You see, I'm like overanalyzing sure. it because it's already in that area that's like mm. so analyzed mm-hmm. and thought about. And yeah. Whereas, like, when it's about when it's in the sexual space, that doesn't exist. All of that goes. There's like no point. I have no frame of reference at all. You know, making it up. (laughs) 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 It's great. (laughs) But I think women flirting with women. I think it's it's common that that is an open terrain where there isn't a script. There's a script of like man Mm -hmm. chases woman or woman chases man. But even at skirt club, when I I try to see, am I seeing flirting? Like it is, it's a different landscape when I see mm. women together at a party. What do you see? <laughs> I see everything. <laughs> <laughs> what have I not seen? Um, You've seen it all. It's such because I see it every day. It's now very normal to me. Mm. Yeah. So it's, now I'm trying to think what what stands out because I see it so much. Mm-hmm. But generally, I, I see women walk into a party with a strategy in New York, especially. I watch them shark around the room. <gasps> Choose choose who they who they like and don't like, and then get that person a drink and like full on have a conversation. So you know, after the speaker finishes at ten thirty p.m., that's the first person they kiss, and generally that's the first person they sleep with, and that and tends to be the person they spend the rest of the night with. Oh wow, there's a strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you feel like those that same person employs that level of? female empowerment when they're approaching a man is that just that person or are they feeling more free because they're at skirt club to try out that side of themselves good question i I think women in new york in particular where this strategy takes place it doesn't happen in london um (laughs) they they are (laughs) yeah yeah drinks first um (laughs) no the the new yorkers they they tend to be of more same ilk yeah Yeah, they've got a job as a lawyer or a banker Mm -hmm. or they or a real realtor they they -hmm. they have established they have money in their pocket Mm -hmm. they've already exerted themselves at work Mm -hmm. they're not afraid Mm -hmm. yeah but they are they come uh, more from like a male 
cliche, you know, I mean, I feel, because I've, 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 I've done it, yeah, I've done it, and I've done it, but I've done it to me, when I've done it, uh, I felt it was a persona, it was like, I was gonna mm. do, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, it's who I'm, I truly am, you know, like in my soul, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be, you know, it was more like, that's the part I'm gonna play, and then I walk in, but then in those experiences, it's base, it's so visual, and it's almost it's almost like a, a conquering element. You know, it's like the 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 fun of the the, the joy of the conquest. You mm. know, like finding mm. what you think is the best looking you know person there, um, who you think you'd have the least chances with, and then you know conquering mm. them, and then that's like the, the high. You know, uh, but I don't feel that that's for for me. Like if if I'm if I'm going to be honest, I would say that when I can be um, when I can be in a place that's pretty tantric or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, like uh, spiritually aware, and I feel that authentic desire coming from someone mm. that's not like with all that other stuff, mm -hmm. the extra stuff, <laughs> and then I respond to it from the same place. Mm -hmm. Then that that would be the most authentic, you know, the most true like true connection. connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's hard, like in a in a setting in a setting where there are lots of people and a, a lot of distractions, and you feel like you're watched. It's hard to get, you know, to get there. You know, there is a lot of like um, it's it's hard to get to that like third eye or whatever you want to yeah. call it. You know, focus when you're surrounded. You know, you're constantly bombarded by like social chaos mm. and other people's energies, and mm -hmm. yeah. But you know, when you can get there, that's it. Yeah, I think mm. you get there after a few times of practice. You don't get yeah. there the first time. No, 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 for sure. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's not easy. You often, like I, I witness a lot of um, nervous and scared women who are walking. Mm -hmm. You know, they say are so out of their comfort zone. Like, not just the fact that they're at a party where they know nobody, <laughs> but they're also presenting themselves in a, in a new way mm -hmm. as somebody who desires sex, mm -hmm. who, who desires sex with a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's so, like, intimidating. They are often shaking, mm -hmm. you know. And, yes, they'll hit the champagne pretty hard at the beginning of the night to quell those nerves. But as soon as you begin to see everyone else is in the same boat, that, that will subside. I don't think it's till your sixth event that you're like strolling in there. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll take mm -hmm. you. Yeah, I, I think it takes a. It, it depends on your personality, of course, but you know, I, it would take me a good six events to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Six is a number. Yeah, like when you know, people ask me, girlfriends of mine, or you know, uh, listeners, they they ask me about uh, when. How soon do you know when you know the sex with someone is good? And can you tell the first time? And I always say six. <laughs> because it sounds come up like. with it. I mean, it's not like, you know, scientific. It's just like personal. From what I've experienced and what people I've talked to experienced, it's kind of like a, a number where I feel most of us mm. agree. Mm. But yeah, interesting. What's with the six? Maybe? It just sounds like sex. Yeah. <laughs> six is the sex number. <laughs> it's a sexy number, six. <laughs> You give out keys when people first come to skirt club. You should give it out when someone's on their sixth party. Watch out, oh, this person yeah. has prowess. Trophy. Yeah. Or a small crown, tiara. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you can get something, a token, like an AA, but different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great idea. I yeah. do have people on their sixth party. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 
Also, it's good information for people to know because if you're here on your first, you might want to buddy up with someone on their sixth so that you're like not two newbies, but like one right. slightly more experienced person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see them doing that on the website though. They, oh, they'll meet for drinks beforehand. They'll, they'll come in a pack okay. of four. Mm. But I also hear them going out for dinner together, like meeting them in the movies, double dating, um, going around to each other's houses. You know, it's not, not just the events anymore. Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I hired an event manager in London recently, and she said she wanted to work for us because she met both her girlfriend and her flatmate at the skirt club. <laughs> she wanted to give so back. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. That's the bonding. Yeah. And that's what's, you know, I, I feel like I wish it could be like that with, with men too. Um, and if we were, you know, a little more evolved, it, it could be, you know, where you could like have... Uh, men like you can have women with whom you have sexual experiences but you can also be friends and you can be like you know roommates housemates um you know work together and without all the drama that we go through mm-hmm. you know the drama of like I, which i think stems from those expectations that were, were you know saddled with and raised with of like mm-hmm. you know whatever it is monogamy is number one yeah. you know you gotta like own someone <laughs> someone's yeah. what psyche body <laughs> like whatever yeah. um and you know but also like how a guy should treat you and uh, all that stuff you know which again that's like you get free from that when mm-hmm. you're with women that's beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but it would be nice to be free of it in general, you know, to, to find a way to address it from the beginning, you know, with men as well. And, you know, open up space where you can just, like, be two people. Not like men and women, Adam and Eve, and the garden, and the apple, and the serpent, and whatever. <laughs> and the loincloth. I know, yeah. right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the whole species depends on this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Not that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so our um, audience gave us some questions, and I'm gonna touch up, touch up on them. Um, and you had some questions, right, from Skirt Club members oh, they who were, were so good. yeah, on you the had Instagram. Some nice on the Instagram, yeah. So anyway, today's questions that we got are. Um, how would you respond to the following scenario? A fellow business owner often offers to send clients your way because he says they can't afford me and he has no idea what you charge. Um, family? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, first of all, my plan is always to keep things harmonious because you don't need to fight, but you do need to like stand in your own. So I would say something coy like, how do you know I don't charge double what you charge? Mm -hmm. Because it definitely gets the point across, but you can still work with this person in the future. They can still send you clients. It keeps it amicable. I don't think you need to drop a bomb and blow it all up when there's a minor infraction. Also, this person is never going to listen and get enlightened and then become on our team if he feels uh, ashamed. I mean, yeah, if you could get him to feel ashamed, he doesn't sound like... Yeah. <laughs> I think Oops. the best reason not to attack him is that it's just not going gonna to get through him. Go get through him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, why would he say that? He could just say you want his clients because it's charge more. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like an insult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's good. And someone else said something. Oh, yeah, someone in the audience said that it was it would be like an opportunity to like, steal his clients 
Yeah, if right. she wants to get paid less, though, I mean, what if this? What if the woman mm-hmm. does charge what he charges, and he's like, so then this clearly says the person can't afford me, so she has to cut her rates to win the client. So, if your goal is to win clients through cutting your rates, that's fine, but it's not right, my recommendation. No. <laughs> no. Okay. So. Um, then what approach tactics have the most open-minded companies adopted to successfully improve gender and sexuality inclusion? I mean, there's a couple approaches. There's first of all, bless you. There's first of all, just getting more women in the room in all the places where there aren't. So improving your recruiting efforts in a number of ways, like making sure you have two women in the pool. Harvard did a study that said that until you have two women in the interviewing pool um, applying for the job, people who are interviewing them can't see them as anything but women. And in today's era, women have a stereotype, especially women applying to be in tech. Tech is supposed to be a man's field. So you can't see a woman candidate with clear eyes until there are two in the pool. So making sure there are two in the pool. There are just little tricks like this that are peppered throughout the entire employee pipeline all the way up to the C-suite that um, the most open-minded companies are definitely doing. So another question uh, was, I have consciously turned more and more into the man I wanted to marry. (laughs) And even though I move swiftly between the world of men, with some I play the charming girl, with others I am one of the guys, I am feeling more and more disconnected from my feminine essence. How can I connect these two personas to work for me and make me whole again? That's a very good question, I feel. Um, and, And... do you want to you want to talk to it a family for a second? I mean, it's definitely a constant struggle that all of the executives that I work with are trying to figure out, right? The women executives. Yeah, the yeah. women. Ex- yeah. Uh-huh. Too bad. <laughs> male executives should bring a lot they more femininity be. into yeah. the boardroom. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, some emotional empathy would be nice yeah, for a start. Exactly. But I mean, it's tricky to to master the world of like what's an outfit and a look and a way and a tone and a vibe that feels like you without cutting off your sexuality i mean i i honestly don't have the answer it's it's like mm-hmm. if there's not a script for all women of the show this much knee be this, this much mm-hmm. curvy voluptuous slinky around the room there's whatever feels like your form of feminine empowerment but it's it's not it's not a very helpful answer really mm-hmm. i think we're still trying mm-hmm. to figure it out mm-hmm. yeah you have a lot well you it would be interesting answer. it would be interesting actually what you said i would like to see workshops of you know, men led by men and women together yeah. who teach men how to be more feminine and get in touch with their feminine, the yeah. good things about the, you know, their feminine side at work, in yeah. the workplace. Right. And not just because, you know, to how to be, be, be like politically correct or, no. you know, be respectful of women, but to actually bring out their full self mm-hmm. and it would make them better businessmen. They would Absolutely. understand their customer base better, right. right? They would understand their workforce better. Mm-hmm. They might not be so, you know, completely like blind responsive to the shareholders but mm-hmm. that's okay <laughs> you know um, <clears throat> and this may be a good moment you know uh, in, in the culture because because of like the reaction to you know Trump and that extreme mm-hmm. white masculine uh, poisoning toxic disease <laughs> that we're governed by <laughs> Um, well, what I, what I uh, said in my answer was, first of all, that I would, uh, in my time out of work, I get in touch with my f- feminine uh, self in ways that are not uh, patriarchal or cliche. Um, so I would uh, start a Wicca practice 
or some other spiritual practice that's similar that comes from matriarchy that that has not been um, prescribed um, or is, and is not controlled by patriarchy. You know, go out in nature uh, on the full moon, light a fire. Um, you know, find the source, a spiritual source, and name her goddess, so that your spiritual practice is to the goddess, to the mother goddess, or the goddess of love, or, um, you know, the goddess of, of home, the goddess of work, um, you know, find rituals, you know, light candles, um, uh, again, you know, like, uh, do feminine-based yoga, um, and uh, me there are menstrual um, mm. Rituals um, and workshops, I also suggested, you know, masturbation, but not masturbation just to get off, but mm -hmm. masturbation to kind of like explore your feminine body in new ways mm -hmm. that you haven't before, you know, and and do it from a place of love. So right. you actually feel, you know, the it, it makes you feel, not just, you know, feel, uh, you know, clitorally, but mm -hmm. feel throughout, all over your body. Mm -hmm. And that's a form of like integration. Yeah. So even though we think it's like, it's it's just about, um, you know, getting off, like if you have an, an itch, you're going to scratch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do it even if you don't have the itch, yeah. you know, right? <laughs> um, and, and there are, you know, there are many other uh, uh, actions, you know, choices like that, that are you know, women-centered, mm -hmm. you know, that, like, guys would not make. So mm -hmm. if you think of one, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. um, but how to bring that person as an integrated person in the workspace when you have already presented yourself out there as the man of your dreams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, that's going to be a hard one. Um, you know, and it's not, and it's not about clothes, even though mm -hmm. I think the clothes are a costume. So trying on different costumes helps, right? Yeah. You know, um, being being experimental with your wardrobe, uh, I I think is very useful, and I highly recommend it. You know, not think of not think of clothes uh, so much as an expression of who you are. You know, so you say like, okay, my style now is this. You know, because this is how I I want to look in the world, and that's you know my taste in clothes. But just like try out all kinds of looks, and you know. Um, as if it were kind of, you know, not really a masquerade, because you become the costume you wear. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, try them out, because you may find in the process that there is something that you're putting on that suddenly makes you feel like the woman, the hidden silent woman inside you is coming out a little more, mm -hmm. you know, in the workspace, if you look like that. But you're not going to know it until you try things out, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be fun. It can be playful. Um, yeah. But I think the fact that she wants to do it matters because mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, your time off, you can focus on looking for things that fulfill that question, that answer mm -hmm. that question. And, you know, just going on that quest might be enough. Yeah, I love what you're saying about the costume. I find that um, when I am dating a man, I like to dress more queer and edgy. And like I bring <laughs> the, the gayer outfits because then I feel balanced. I'm like, here's yeah. a man you holding my hand, but I look like gay. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I'm I dating women too. or like with women, then I like to do it the opposite. <laughs> I do that too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's for balance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, hmm. I haven't thought of it because I mean, yeah, for men, I've always thought like, well, I want him to know that I'm not like just yes. you know. <laughs> so to, <laughs> I'm trying to give all the signals, yeah. but I haven't thought about you know, the, you know, with a woman, then you feel more comfortable like yeah. being completely girly. Yeah, it's and fascinating. It's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, Genevieve. <laughs> so, what are the best ways to bring? the lessons of the bedroom back into the boardroom. So we, we had this, this saying at Skirt Club, confidence in the bedroom gives you confidence in the boardroom. And this was true of my life. So I, I felt as a living example that I could r- replicate that for all women in our membership. But I, I did feel that in bed, if I was confident and assured of myself and asked for what I wanted, it gave me a sense of wholeness. And that next morning walking into work... I certainly was, you know, more determined, more instructional and asking, telling people what to do, you know, all around me (laughs) versus being the meek and mild marketing girl in the office, which I was also at some times. So it it certainly brought something out of me and it woke woke up a side of me that was probably my more masculine energy, but I enjoyed it and I loved feeling confident and I certainly felt happier with my life. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I, I just felt that women, you know, it could, it could go the other way around, confidence in the boardroom to the bedroom, it could go that way around too. And I think maybe for men that is truer. But um, I just wanted women to have, a, have something they could own and feel good about and then take that feeling right through to the rest of the other, all the other parts of their lives. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I totally think that it, it, you know, whether we like do it consciously or not, it seems true that if you feel that you're in a place of power in your private life, in the bedroom, and even out of the bedroom, in your personal life, in your relationship life, that that will translate at work. Because there is no way, you know, that if you feel that, that confidence in the rest of your life, that you will take the bullshit, you know, and just like swallow everything that comes your way, all the insults, all the little insults and all, you know, th- those like tiny little jabs constantly just to keep the job. You, you, you know, after a while you can't because you're someone else, you know, you're used to being this other person now. So yeah, that could be one very simple way, you know, for women to get more strength in the, and vo- a better voice in the workplace is to just get it first in their private life, you know, mm-hmm. in the domestic space, in the sexual space. And I feel that that was the, the central failing of the feminist revolutions that we know we've already had. Mm-hmm. That n- neither the first nor the second wave of feminism actually addressed, you know, changing our relationships. You know, it was always about, like, the public sphere, uh, the workspace, you know, the legal system, but they didn't give us the tools to change the everyday, mm. you know, the one-on-one. And actually, that's where the big change starts. Yeah, at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. at home. And, and inside of you. Inside of you. Not what you're projecting in the office, but actually how you feel about yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And in your family, too. In your family, too. And that includes, like, your parents, your siblings, you know, because all of that, revisiting all of that, you know, um, your partners, your children, revisiting all of those relationships where you speak up when something is said that's not appropriate, that, that, that is not respectful, or, or when something, you know, is done or, or said that seems like a crude cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to see it, and not mm-hmm. just kind of like 
be, you know, be blind to it because it's been done for generations. You know, seeing it and, and addressing it, I think, also is empowering. Mm. Tackling it head on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I think about myself when I was younger, I was very angry. Like, and I, I was just reflecting on that. My, the way I dealt with things usually was just to blow up because I, could, I couldn't understand right. why I was being trapped and told what to do and know this, know that. You know, I was locked in my bedroom a lot as a child. And it, it honest, obviously has created the monster you see today. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, my, my way of rebelling was to scream and shout. I didn't know any other way. And listening to you today actually helped me a lot because you you talked about handling things as an adult and calm and collectedly, and you will keep you will earn and keep their respect by doing mm-hmm. so. Um, it took me a long time to learn that, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it's this, this vicious cycle where you're not respected by men because you <laughs> you only know how to react in an angry manner mm-hmm. because no one's listening to you and because yeah. you, mm-hmm. you are angry and yeah. mm-hmm. it just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It just keeps mm-hmm. going round and mm-hmm. round. Mm-hmm. And as children, I mean, that's what we see, you know, our parents basically are nice to us until they explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is nothing else, <laughs> right. right? And, you know, because we're with them so long, it's the explosive moments that register the most, because that's like the time of trauma. You know, that's yeah. when like that little brain that's still being form, formed uh, realizes, okay, you know, I got to uh, refigure things, you know, because our brain is constantly changing. That's why we're saying we can change things because we're rearranging scenarios to things that don't hurt us. You know, our brain is there to protect us from pain. Mm-hmm. That's its main job, you know. Um, but but when we're children and they are screaming at us in a very, you know, shocking way, then we, uh, that's when we learn uh, our, our different like, methods you know, to defend ourselves. And one of, it, of them, if you're a forceful personality like you are, Genevieve, yeah. is to give it right back at them. Yeah, you know? totally. If that's the way, <laughs> then okay, that's what I got to do. <laughs> that's so interesting. I, had, um, I grew up in a house that, where the, there was just a lot of violence, like yelling and screaming at each other. And I wasn't in the yelling and screaming. It was like my parents and one of my siblings. And the way I learned to do it is not yell back at them. It's to preemptively avoid it. Mm. And so I realized a couple weekends ago on this self-development retreat that my relationship with men, men on the street, men who are my lovers, men who I work with, was totally predicated on that or based on that, which was do anything I can to not make them yell and scream at me as the little eight-year-old that I was, right? And so that's probably where this is like full circle to what you just said, where I learned to like keep the peace so much. It's like a tactic. But you know, that you're I making use. a living out of it. <laughs> I know. Like, but chess players, <laughs> the mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, di- we're very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take yeah. a gun to it before I like. <laughs> oh, I'm not mad inside. I think women's anger is the only thing that's ever changed anything. I just use the gracefulness as a tool. Yeah. Yeah. But but it earns men's respect, and unfortunately, they won't listen unless they respect you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't respect them. Right. <laughs> yeah. that's our secret <laughs> but I mean honestly you know it, both of those are legitimate if, you know like first responses you know as, as we get older and, and smarter and 
stronger and more aware of things we like can fine-tune them so like the shouting becomes a quiet shout <laughs> you know and calm and collected yell <laughs> um but you know I, th- i still think it's like both of those are are preferable to like all the women out there who like you know eat themselves or drink themselves right. you know to silence mm-hmm. which is what happens right. you know medi- medicate themselves in all kinds of ways so they won't speak up and that's the worst you know and that's also the most common which mm-hmm. is to turn it against you they push it right, down right to push all the anger within so it eats out at you and mm. you know then it takes away your strength more and more and more because by you know what But, you know, what happens when you self-medicate in any one of these ways, you know, is that you lose your voice completely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you give up your agency. So it's better to have your agency and be, you know, a little rough around the edges. <laughs> or be a bad bitch or a good bitch. Or <laughs> More rough diamonds, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, or be graceful, but, you know, to a point. <laughs> Yeah, there's a line yeah. right across it. Yeah, but, but, yeah but all of those are, are better options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, do not let it stew. If you're out there listening, you know, just like speak out and speak up for yourself and also speak sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speak openly about sex. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We all have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ask for it and you shall get it. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's a good place to close our conversation. It was really beautiful. Thank you mm. for coming you. on Thank the you. podcast. Yeah, I hope that we speak again. This was our third episode together, Genevieve. I know. <laughs> a few of the thousands of other conversations yes. that we have. I know, I know. But you're my only guest who's had three appearances. Oh, my God, that regular. to us. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want my own chair. <laughs> my own champagne. You're going to have fridge. your own sub-channel soon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be our even Genevieve collection. Yeah, the yeah. even Genevieve. Don't you love that? In bed with. <laughs> yes, I love we it. We got the bed here. <laughs> Shall we get in the bed? <laughs> <laughs> that's the future. Yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you, family. It was so thank nice you. to meet you and talk with you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. And until next Friday, speak sex. Bye. make love incessantly, I would be gone.